Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Welcome to the Full Court Press. Happy Tuesday to you. 401, your start time here on February 2nd. Happy Groundhog Day to you, unless you're Bill Murray. Happy Groundhog Day to you, unless you're Bill Murray. That was a good response, actually. Proud of you, Eric. You're getting better. You're getting more wittier as we uh, as we spend time together. I need to watch that show. It's been a long time. Oh, since dude, I've seen it. I watched it like two weeks Such ago. A good movie. And it's so good. I forget how funny it is. Well, here we are. So many Groundhog Day again. <laughs> it's Ned Ned Ryerson. Bingo. Watch that step. It's a doozy. <laughs> You're on fire. Oh, my gosh. We all have a high school classmate that probably is like that, Ned Ryerson, to this very day. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Hey, a lot to get to today. New Mexico basketball has canceled their series with San Diego State because they have players opting out. That's not good for the Lobos. How bad is it and what is the situation like? Jeff Grammer is going to join us at 4.30 from the Albuquerque Journal to talk about New Mexico Lobos situation. And what does the Mountain West Conference do for the tournament? Now, Leon Rice said about mm, four weeks ago that he would like to see the tournament trimmed down to maybe eight teams, six if possible, uh, for two reasons. One, covid Two, making sure that the top four teams who are all NCAA tournament bound as of right now get into the big dance. That there's no upsets of any sort. Well, if that's the case, and maybe don't lose to an underdog when you're not supposed to. So we're going to get into that conversation with uh, with Jeff. Uh, Eric and I will talk about it as well. Baseball's looking to delay the start of their season. Why? We'll talk about that, how it will affect them. Jazz Pistons tonight. Eric will be at the ball tonight, so... We'll, uh, we'll send him off just a tad early so he can go watch the uh, Jazz hopefully start a new win streak against the Detroit Pistons before getting into a very, very pivotal East Coast swing against some good East Conference teams. From all accounts, tonight's game for Utah is still on. The reason why that I make that statement is the Denver Nuggets, who the Jazz played on Sunday, were supposed to play the Detroit Pistons, who the Jazz played tonight, Last night, but that game didn't happen. Uh, we don't really. They just said it was because of coronavirus COVID protocols, but they haven't really said was it a Denver issue or was it a Detroit issue. <laughs> so we don't know if if the Jazz may have been infected by somebody within the the, the Denver uh, t- team in that situation there. Or if, uh, if if the Pistons had a problem and if they'll be able to play tonight or not. But all accounts are still, as of this moment, pointing to the Utah Jazz game still happening tonight at 8. At 8 o'clock, right? Yeah, we'll no have it here television. on the fan. Yeah, no national television. And then they play uh, Thursday. It's an early game. It's like 5.30, so we'll be off early on Thursday. Friday, they play at 5.20. And we will not be off early because Skyview basketball will be in session at 7 o'clock. So we'll turn the reins over to John Newbold, who will give you updates of how the night is going for the Utah Jazz or how the game went in its finale. So 
Uh, stay tuned for all that. Again, Jazz basketball tonight against the Pistons after uh, having their 11-game winning streak ended by the Denver Nuggets. And, you know, we talked about it a little bit before the show, Eric. It, it's kind of a, a hard rock right now that they're stuck in, the Jazz are, because you just played Denver uh, on Sunday. Now you turn around supposed to play Detroit, but they have their game canceled versus Denver. So one way or another, like, I'm kind of surprised the game hasn't been postponed yet. I'm grateful it hasn't, but I'm surprised. Yeah, yeah, uh, me too. But um, like you, I'm I'm happy it's still on. Yeah, oh, I absolutely. have tickets, and it's it's hard to get into a game. <laughs> Although Which, they are opening it up. Yep, uh, if you yeah, hadn't heard, the upper bowl is going to be uh, they'll be expanding ticket opportunities in the upper bowl. Yep, and increasing capacity to almost Three, four thousand. Yeah, about three thousand nine hundred. Yeah, I was gonna say thirty eight, thirty nine hundred around that regard. So, again, so that'll that, be exciting to see how that looks and it'll, tonight. It sounds so much better. What kind of uh, energy there in the crowd? Now, um, having fans in stands, uh, the uh, Utah Jazz are one of only like six or seven arenas in all of the NBA who have fans. Jazz are actually expanding their their opportunity, but the Atlanta Hawks recently started allowing fans in their arena and uh, created a bit of a buzz last night. Courtside Karen, uh, oh. John with LeBron James. Uh, Couple people get ejected from the game because they're John and trash talking with LeBron James. Okay, but here's the thing: if you pay for those seats, if it's not vulgar, if it's not derogatory, and if it's not incredibly offensive in any way, you know you should be allowed to say, you know what? I think John Stockton's better than you. Hey, <laughs> I think you have ugly shorts. Hey, your beard looks like crap. Well, and I think that was okay. But this girl stood up, and based on some of the comments that she has made about what she said and how the conversation went, it was vulgar. Oh, well, in that case, yeah, get out of there. <laughs> yeah. Got it. So Clear. Yeah. And speaking of fans, how about this? This is great timing for Boise State. They've actually now allowed – they're going to allow fans into the arena. Uh, unspecified amount as of right now. But they will allow fans into Extra Mile Arena for that series against Utah State, which is really unfair because, hey – only two teams in the Mountain West Conference get to play with fans, and why do we have to go to Boise State and we have to play against their fans? That's really unfair for the Aggies. <laughs> I, I just, man, that's horrible. Yeah, boy. This league's never it's fair. Terrible. Never so, treats us So right. hard. So hard. On <laughs> so many people. Oh, I, I love trolling people sometimes. Uh, <laughs> so, again, we'll get into some serious Mountain West Conference basketball talk again. About We'll headline that with uh, about 4.30 with the – from the Albuquerque Journal, Jeff Grammer, who covers the Lobos, who Eric are in the midst of, I don't even know what to say here, but they have decided to opt out to, to the series with San Diego State, which was supposed to start tonight. Um, in, in Lubbock. Oh, yeah, in, in Lubbock, Texas. By the way, I want to invite our listeners officially into our show, please, if you would like to, 5338 texted in earlier. Hey, today's topic on the Full Court Press, top five most unbreakable records or greatest sport accomplishments. We'll save that for a Friday Five Best. Yeah, that I don't know if that's something we could just all of a sudden react to. Uh, I'd want to take – I mean, that's a so, really good I did, I, topic. No, I love and it. And I don't want to just flippantly react. Well, I think I can. I mean, I, I, I think I put at number five, Tom Brady's 50 TD passes. Number four, Tom Brady's all-time <laughs> passing yards. Number three, Tom Brady's Super Bowl rings. Number two, uh, Tom Brady's uh, streak of not cussing in a football game on national television. And number one, Tom Brady's streak of home wins 
without consecutive losses in New England at one point. So mm. that's pretty easy. Uh, nine three one five text in that. Hey, that tells you how much Boise likes USU and that they are afraid we can win by bringing in fans. Uh, Leon Rice, I'm really surprised. He's uh, how clenched he is right now. Um, you know, he's uh, concerned about wanting to get fans there to to help his team take care of Utah State. Uh, he doesn't want a tournament to be played. He just wants to be given a, the gold medal right now and an automatic stamp to the NCAA <laughs> tournament because he's afraid of the tournament because Utah State performs very well in the tournament. Um, he, he's just—he's not used to being in this kind of situation. So he's like, look, I, while I'm here, I'm going to hold on to it as long as I can and prevent anybody else from knocking me off. But yeah, again, we're okay. See, here's the crazy part. He's like, yeah, let's get fans in the stands. Hold on. We do not need 11 teams in the tournament. We don't need it. We only need six. COVID-19, everybody. Wait a minute. So which one is it, man? That's what I don't get is which one Which one is it. Now, I, I tweeted out um, I tweeted out a question for all our uh, Aggie uh, fans, and I'll even ask our listeners now here again, 435-339-0321. The question was, uh, with the Leon Rice situation, he said a while back the Mount West Conference tourney should be cut down to 11 teams for two reasons. One, COVID-19. Two, top four teams of winning an upset loss. Uh, the responses have been wonderful. Appreciate the, all the responses. Uh, Brian Phillips, uh, good good guy, keeps up with the recruiting very well. Says, I politely disagree. After last year, the teams, uh, the fans, everyone deserves some March Madness. This was after it was uh, said from another one that there's no reason to invite the bottom teams like New Mexico and Air Force this year. In a normal year, I would say invite everyone, but not this year. Uh, Eric, you had a great response. You said the tournament is a fresh start for many teams, still giving them a glimmer of hope for more games to come. Why have an NCAA tournament then? Just give the championship to the top-rated team? Oh, wait. Hello, college football. How do you do? (laughs) Yeah, kind of. Uh, Speaking of college football, by the way, can I just jump to the sidewalk on this one? We got a football game pack for video games. If you did not have a reason to buy a PS5, you do now. Boy, it sure caught a lot of people's attention today. EA Sports announcing the return of uh, college football uh, video game. I can't even remember what it's called. Um, I don't play it. You can tell. But uh, it's, Shame had a, on you. it's had a lot of people reacting to it. And even some people saying, all right, this old GameStop business from last week. Who knew this was coming up? As if they were related, which they really weren't, but... Uh, still, it's got a lot of people excited. Now, part of the reason why this is such a big deal, the EA Sports has not produced a college football video game for, what, seven years? Yeah, 2014 was our last one. They were, um, uh, well, there was a lawsuit saying, you, you're using our image and our likeness. You should be sharing the profits with the college players whom you're emulating in your game. Sure, sure. And so they just stopped producing it. Now, there is a an issue with name image likeness compensation that's on its way to the Supreme Court. So hey, I, I don't know still, that they've worked something out. So here's the <laughs> thing is if like you put this football game together, that's fine. But understand that people are still going to create the likes of Jamarcus Russell, Riley Nielsen, Leon Jackson the third. They're going to create the likes of Jose Fuentes. I mean they're going to recreate people on the game because you have a create a player. Right, either 
the NCAA football has to eliminate that feature of the game, which would livid everybody, or you got to approve the likeness and image. One of the two's got to happen. Because Tim Tebow's going to get created, all right? Uh, Jordan Love will probably recreate it for Utah State. It's all going to be there. you got to find out a way to do it. Yeah, uh, it's going to be very interesting to see what it looks like when it comes out and how, what those features are and how does it handle name image likeness. Yeah. Uh, 8577 texted in, are they going to allow fans to attend the Mountain West Basketball Tournament in Vegas? From who I have talked to, and this is not official, so do not report this on your social medias. From who I've talked to, I'm hearing that will be uh, fans, immediate fa- family. family members of fans. Thank you. Yeah, I, I saw the text as well, and I've been doing some digging and doing some searching, and I haven't seen anything official yeah, from the Mountain official. West at this Just point. From what I've heard is that it's going to be immediate family members of fans and coaching staff, and that's it for fans-wise. That's that's all they're going to do. Uh, 9315, will you be talking about signing day for Utah State football that is happening? Nine, you know better than to ask that question. Come on. Are we going to be covering the USU football signing day? Yeah, why would we? We don't need to. <laughs> it's all over Twitter. <laughs> we don't need to cover. No, uh, of we, course, uh, absolutely, yes, absolutely, we will. Uh, we'll. The press conference is at twelve with Coach Anderson. Uh, we'll be on that press conference. We'll yep. post it live, or we'll post it uh, for you guys to listen to, and then we will break it down. Every recruit, every player, coach's thoughts on those players and the class itself. We'll look at the transfer portal as well of the kids that came in. We'll look at the roster as a whole. Yeah, you got it. Not. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, it's an exciting time for Utah State football, um, which which seniors are coming back with that extra year of eligibility that's been granted them. How many transfers? Because there's a lot. Um, Coach Anderson said uh, in that early signing period in December, which was really small, he said, don't judge us by how we start. Judge us by how we finish. Um, So... uh, this will be the proof in the pudding now. How how does he finish? You know, how did he put things together with his this coaching staff? And what does the future look like for Utah State football for the upcoming year? So, yeah, I think it'll be really exciting. So, yes, yeah. we're going to be spending a lot of time on that it. tomorrow. Absolutely will. We'll, uh, and I look forward to that, too. I look forward to hearing from Coach Anderson and uh, getting his thoughts on the, what we think will be an exciting recruiting class. Look, I can tell you right now, this defense is going to be really good. Expect big things from this defense because they're coming – Locked and loaded and ready to go. I'm excited about that defensive side of the football. Pretty exciting names coming back uh, for Utah State and uh, some exciting players that are transferring to Utah State. Just how well do they mesh together? Yeah. Uh, and what does that that you know uh, defensive scheme look like and that defensive attitude look like with this new coaching staff? Uh, yeah, certainly a lot of questions there, and excited to see how it comes together. Uh, nine three one five. The only thing I can officially put on my social media is the ringmaster is now a Bucks fan. I've always been a Bucks fan. Okay, Warren Sapp was a huge, one of my most favorite players <laughs> of all time. You didn't even know who and Warren Sapp was the other day when I mentioned his name. I I did too. He was the big guy, the uh, defensive lineman who wrecked. Yeah, he was better than Reggie White uh, this year. As he and he says, should I be a part of the bandwagon? Hey, we welcome fans of any age. As a part of our fan base, we do not discriminate against age, hatred. We forgive and forget very quickly. So, Eric, if you want to hop on, you can. Be cool. It's okay. I'll be right. You got other wagons to hop on, like mm. the Chiefs, huh? That's fun. 
I'm impartial. I'm impartial. <laughs> I don't care. I'm Switzerland here. I'm uh, <laughs> Switzerland. No, I'm not taking a side. Oh, I'm just going to sit down and enjoy football. <laughs> Kicks off at oh, 4.30 on Sunday, and we're going to have it here on the fan. So if you're driving cool. around or you can't get to a TV, but you can get to a radio or it's streaming uh, too, or stream it on our, on our app. Yeah. On the 106.9, the fan be on that. mobile app. Yeah, take it with you. So um, it, they've done a great job. These games have been fun to listen to on the radio. And the way, by the way they put them together. This great broadcast crews, and we're going to have that full Guess who's calling play-by-play that game, coverage. If I'm not mistaken, and I might be wrong here. We're about to hear the promo in about five minutes, but I want to say it's Kevin Harlan again. Oh, I sure hope so. Yeah. He's I'll, so awesome. He called it last he's year on our station. I think he called the year, but yeah, he's one of the best. As I think it's Kevin Harlan calling the game again. It's yeah, been kind of a tradition so the last good. three, four years. One of the best. Absolutely one of the best. So – uh, can't wait for that. Uh, Eric, really quickly, I want to go back to the football side of things, if I may ask you. What are you hoping for in regard to building depth? Or what should a coach be hoping for in regard to building as a brand new coach in, in t- at Utah State? Uh, position-wise, what you, should you be looking for? Well, I, I think for me, uh, one of my biggest curiosities coming into this uh, signing class is uh, does – does Utah State get better at the defensive front? Um, what does their defensive front look like? Uh, do they get some pressure guys, dudes, uh, athletes, uh, at the defensive end, that they can put pressure on an opposing quarterback? Um, and, I, and I guess as an extension of that, what, what do the linebackers look like? Mm-hmm. But primarily, I think for me, just based on how things went last year and where I think things need to continue to improve for Utah State, is that defensive front? Can they get better? Can they stop a run game? And and can they get after an opposing quarterback? How much will? I guess it depends on what we got coming back on the defensive side of the ball and with the transfers and the recruits you got coming in as well. Uh, but with the experience that we had, and you might have answered this already. Would you say the defensive front's where it needs most help, or is it the linebacking crew? No, I think that defensive front for me is. Um, I mean, there's some guys that could be coming back, but again, we don't really know right now. But, um, but in in combination with the guys that are already in the system, and seeing what could be coming in in addition to to either uh, elevate that position group or to add to it, uh, I think that for me personally, that's that's the biggest question mark in my mind. Quarterback side, obviously, this is going to get really intriguing. Peasley was the quarterback to finish off the season, but you got this Cooper Legault kid who looks like he's a stud, and he might be revving and ready to go. And then they bring in a transfer from Arkansas State. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, if you're Coach Anderson, you got to take a really hard, fair look at these three quarterbacks. I'm not leaving out uh, Calvin, but at the same, I mean, I, I feel like it's Cooper. Peasley, and then uh, I think it's Bonner is his name from the Arkansas State transfer. Logan Bonner, yeah. You got you got to take a fair look at all three guys, right? You should. You should. If he wants to earn the respect of the players in that locker room, he needs to give it a fair shot and say, look, I'm just going to go with whomever the best quarterback is. It's going to help us win. Does Rather it- than saying, I really like this guy. He was in my system at uh, Arkansas State. Uh, I know he's going to help you win. You just have to trust me on this. That could rub guys the wrong yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Could divide the locker room. If Peasley had any sort of advantage with a brand new coaching staff coming in, what would it be at this point? 
Sorry, who? So sorry, if Peasley had oh. any sort of an advantage with a brand new staff coming in, but yet the game experience, would there be an advantage at all right now, or is it no? Um, hard to know. Just it's a new staff, and they're asking different things, and probably running a little a, a different system. So, um, and it may ultimately be Logan Bonner who wins out and is the is the guy. But to earn the respect of the uh, of that offense and the team, he needs to be a a fair judge of who the best quarterback is for the situation. Give uh, give those guys that are currently in the system, give them a, sh- a fair shot. I like he it. may be surprised that, you know what, I really like this kid, Logan, but, man, Andrew, he's blowing my socks off. I got to give him the job. Keep uh, keep the starting job. I might have asked you this already, but was there anything about Andrew Peasley? Give me some of the positives that you saw on him and maybe some things you want to see him improve upon. Well, I think uh, passing accuracy would be better. Um, I, I like his athleticism. He's got a good arm. Just got to put it on the money. Right. Um, so I think those are some things just maybe even quicker decision-making too. Uh, checking down his reads, um, not just locking on. Although he, did, he didn't really lock on to specific part of the field too much. I didn't feel like. But but uh, I think those are probably the bigger things. Being a little more accurate, being more in charge. Uh, that, hey, I'm the guy. I'm going to lead this team. Um, so, because last year it was it was Jason Shelley, uh, and probably should it should have been Henry Cullenby, but uh, Peasley was lower on the list. <laughs> I mean, if we're honest with each other, sure. And then he kind of got thrown into it and became the the guy. Um, and so, just how does he kind of progress from that and grow from that and and assume those reins? Not just because it's given to him, but because he earns them. Yeah. Got a few texts in here, Eric. Want to get your thoughts as well. Three, four, two, six texts in. Offensive line and defensive line crucial to any building of a football team. You can run the football at will, and you can stop the football at will. You can control the game, whether it's air raid or ground and pound. Yeah, really good point. Yeah, it's you a know, great point. I like there was that. A, uh, there were some losses at the offensive line, big um, ones too. So, uh, but then there's some transfers coming in that could help. Fill those gaps, but if you can, but he's right. If you can establish the great thing for Jordan Love that he had is an offensive line that could protect him. I mean, he had time to sit back, comb his hair, wave at his girlfriend, say hello, and then throw it, you know, 40, 50 yards downfield and find a wide open guy. He, if you can give your quarterback time to be able to make a decision, uh, it doesn't have to be forever, but enough time to make a decision, it does help by a lot. And it helps if that quarterback too has the athleticism to roll out or yeah, escape pressures, absolutely, and and freelance a little bit. You shouldn't rely on that solely. But if that offensive line can keep him clean, keep his jersey clean, yeah, you're going to win a lot of games. Uh, two four one seven. I think we need defensive backs that can stop the big plays. We have been turned. me. We have been burned too many times with the big play. I, you know, I think of that uh, Romeo Dubs, Dubs guy from oh. Nevada who just cooked our defensive backfield. Uh, and then I think the next week it was Fresno State. They burnt us as well. I mean, we yeah, it's been too many times where defensive backfield has got cooked. I would like to see a. Uh, a backfield that's aggressive and can make the big play. Yeah, I agree with that, but I think that really goes back to what kind of pressure do you create? What kind of havoc do you create up front? Yeah. If you're, if that quarterback is living in fear of that defensive line coming after him from different places, or even if it's just the defensive scheme that's bringing pressures from different spots, not just always from those front four um, or front three, depending on what the defense system they're going to run. But if those pressures come from different places and it's always making that quarterback kind of look over his shoulder about where those guys are coming from, 
Um, but I agree. I understand. Yes, the defensive secondary. We had high hopes for the USU defensive secondary, and uh, didn't really deliver too much this last year. Uh, nine three one five. I think Cooper could be the guy with the way he plays in his arm, but he he does not have. Oh, he doesn't have enough live plays in call, or I guess enough. How would you call it? He doesn't live have reps. in college playing time. Okay, live yeah, live reps. playing time. So yes, which is true, and I thought he should have got some. Honestly, if, yeah, you, if we're going to be very too. opinionated here. In, in games that were blowouts, and there were a fair number of them, yeah. why he didn't get some time. I, I get it. You know, Peasley hadn't had a lot of time either. If he's going to be your guy, he's going to need as much time as you think he needs. But what if he got hurt? What if he went down? Then what? <laughs> you know. So I was a little surprised that Cooper Lagarde never really saw any time. All right, we're going to take a break. Coming back. Uh, we are going to talk to Jeff Grammer of the new Albuquerque Journal. Where uh, Yes, uh, New Mexico calling off their series with San Diego State. And Jeff Grammer reporting, it doesn't appear to be, there's no indication that there's any COVID. So what does this mean? Yeah, it's just opt-outs. Yeah. Uh, before we do that, though, Ajay, yeah. I owe you from winning pick six. Yes. Please do not be your kid's... Like nightlight or something. Please. No, this is this is for you. Uh that looks beautiful. That looks big. It is big. It is beautiful and big. But yeah. what is it? You should just open it up. I've got you a nice pick six gift this time. Did you steal this off your front porch and wrap it up? <laughs> no. Because there's a possibility that you would have stuck. Oh. Hey. Now that's slick. It's a uh, Utah State. What what is that called? It's a flag. It's a Utah State flag. Nice. All right. Well, thank you for not uh, stealing something out of your kid's office or your kid's room. Appreciate that. This is effort. See, Eric, this is all I'm asking for is effort from you. Yeah. Everyday effort. I, I, you know, I bring it. Sometimes you don't always see it. <laughs> I bring it. <laughs> Sometimes you don't know which you never you, you can never just let me have the last it. word, can you? Nope, never, never. Jeff Grammer coming up next. The Aggies, Jazz, High Schools, even the Pee Wee's T-ball team. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, The Fan. Eric France and LJ South here in the Full Court Press, 1069 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. All right, uh, we've been talking a lot of Mount West Conference basketball where you are going to, as I like to say, Eve Diaper into it. Eve. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. You act ashamed. You shouldn't be ashamed. <laughs> yes, I should be ashamed. <laughs> hey, joining us from the Albuquerque Journal, one of the best in the business in the Mount West Conference, and he's very well respected around the Mount West Conference in regards to the media poll. Uh, it's Jeff Grammer hanging out with us here on the Full Court Press. Jeff, thanks for your time. Good to have you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Hey, so news comes out that uh, New Mexico Lobos have decided to opt out of today's game, but there's no COVID reasoning to it. What can you tell us about the Lobos opting out and what it means for the future? It's a good question. The The future beyond this week is, is still up in the air. Um as I just right before I came on with you guys, just updated on Twitter. As of right now, the league, the school, um, that includes San Diego State and New Mexico, nobody's officially confirmed it. Um, the San Diego Union Tribune with Mark Ziegler, who had a story this morning, as did I, kind of the San Diego State version and the, the UNM version, I guess, from those angles. 
Um, we're, we're the only ones that have reported it yet, and I don't know, frankly, what the holdup is from the league as to confirming it. They're, the TV station, uh, it was going to be tomorrow night's game, was going to be a Fox Sports 1 game. You know, they've been informed, obviously. So um, it, it's not a, a holdup kind of question like it may not happen. It, it's going to happen. It, it has already been decided. So I don't know what the league's waiting on. Maybe it's possible they're waiting to see what the long-term um, kind of like to your question, what's going to happen after this. As of right now, here here's where we stand. The Lobos obviously have had a horrible season. Um, they, they haven't played well. They are in a state where the, the governor had a public health order, still has a public health order in effect, that prohibited them from practicing or playing games in the state of New Mexico. So they, you know, by November 20th, when it looked like there, there was nothing to, to work out where they could practice in the state, after most teams were about to start the season and already had a month of practice, they moved to, to Lubbock, Texas for the season and start practicing then. So they got a late start. Um, living out of a hotel in Lubbock for most of the season. They obviously had about a 10-day period in, in St. George, Utah as well, where they actually hosted San Jose State in Dixie State University's gym. So they've been around the Southwest but not been home. They haven't been using their own gym. They haven't had their own gym to put up shots, work on free throws, work on footwork. They you know, they get 90 minutes between the Lubbock Christian University's men's team and women's team's practices or their volleyball practice or whatever. You know, They get gym time when they can get it. and they in the hotels, don't have meals together or anything. They, they take their food back to their rooms. They didn't have at the residence inn in Lubbock a meeting space large enough um, to even have their film session, uh, a group of that many people, and have a wow. film session together. So they were doing film sessions in the lobby of the residence inn while people were checking into their rooms <laughs> oh. 10, 15 feet away. Um, it, it's been, with, without doubt, and, and I was there for the Nevada series. I was not in Lubbock for the, for the Utah State series, but I was there for the Nevada series the week prior and it's a, it was depressing, man. Like it's, it wasn't, it wasn't a happy existence. These kids are not happy. It's not, you know, like a regular trip where you're gone three or four days and, you know, bounce around the hotel a little bit, kind of cool, hop on a plane. They bust five plus hours to Lubbock from Albuquerque to play when Utah State chartered. And like the opposing teams are actually getting there quicker than the, than the Lobos are. They, they get on a bus for five hours to get there. So it's it's a weird existence. It's a miserable existence. It's a team with 12 new players and three new coaches on the staff, and they didn't have an offseason to practice. So all of that is to say they were going to be bad anyway, but things have gotten worse, and that kind of adds to this mental question. Is, is it too much, or is it is it wearing on the kids too much? They had two players in January opt out of the rest of the season, one at the beginning of the month, and Keith McGee, a senior guard, one just this past Saturday, a freshman point guard named Nolan Dorsey, two scholarship guys that opted out. So where we stand now is when they left the court on Friday, they, they lost to Fresno State. And they, they took Fresno State to overtime last Thursday, but then on Saturday it was a 10-point loss. But another competitive game. They actually played two really competitive games and had a chance to win them both. But when they leave the court on Saturday, they had eight healthy scholarship players left. And sometime between Saturday when they walked off the court and this morning, they decided they only have six scholarship, healthy scholarship players left. And the Mountain West this COVID season requires seven healthy scholarship players to play a game, and they don't have it. So as of right now, I can't even say officially because the league or the, or the school won't officially say it, but I've talked to enough people at both places. As of right now, the situation is this. They are postponing this series of San Diego State. It could be made up, although I highly doubt it will be. It could be made up, and it's because of the number of players available for the Lobos. Now, what I don't think some of these players maybe realize 
was if you opt out, you can't go to the practice gym the rest of the year. You can't get up shots and, and work out back in Albuquerque and, and all that kind of stuff. If you're, if you're opting out to keep the, the bubble, um, the semi-bubble integrity of the team, you can't even have a roommate who's on the team. You're not allowed to, these players are not allowed to have roommates right now that aren't on the team and in their bubble. So it's, it's a weird situation where I think some players were going to opt out. They can't play this week because of it, but now they might want back on. So that's why they haven't canceled the season yet is maybe some of these players realize it's time to come back. And frankly, man, I, I, I don't even know what to, to make of it because it was pretty depressing the two days or the three days I was out there covering them in Lubbock. I can't imagine what they're going through. Um, so that's where we're at. So to be clear, the, the players who are have already left the they've already, they've opted out, but they're not transferring away from the program. Is that correct? Well, yes and no. First of all, their their first opt out was Zane Martin in, in the middle of August, two weeks before classes start. Their leading returning scorer, he was a senior, um, and would have been the leading returning scorer on this year's team. He opted out, citing you know uncertainty in the Mountain West. If you remember back in August. It was right around the time they announced there wasn't going to be a football season in the Mountain West and all that kind of stuff. And if there wasn't going to be football, there certainly wasn't going to be basketball and all that kind of stuff. So he opted out. He transferred back east, where closer to where he's from. But he, he cited the uncertainty of just the situation in general. The player who, at the beginning of January, opted out, a senior, Keith McGee, did not say if he's going to transfer or not. And if you, as you guys know, the NCAA said this year doesn't count for anybody. You can come back. You know, the eligibility doesn't count. So just because he's a senior doesn't mean he can't come back. He hasn't publicly said one way or the other if he's coming back. And then the Saturday transfer, the freshman, he did say he'd enter the transfer portal. So those are the three we know about. Then today, the two players that there are two big men on the team that said they were going to opt out. They didn't say if they were going to transfer yet or either. Um, And then they kind of backed off and changed their mind. So I don't know if they plan to transfer or not, but there's not a whole lot of happy people in this program right now, and, and I imagine there will be plenty of transfers. So uh, I guess the reason, one of the reasons I, I asked that is, if, would it be, is it possible if a player does end up transferring to give that scholarship to somebody else who's a non-scholarship player to get you back to the number necessary? That's a good question. I, I think the answer to that has to do with when the start of the semester is, and I think you're too late now. You have... Mm. The, the semester classes started, uh, oh, I don't have the date in front of me, but I think it was two weeks ago now um, at UNM. And I think you have up until 10 days after the first day of classes um, to basically be enrolled and all that kind of stuff. So I think they're past the window where they can now kind of move scholarships around to make that number happen. When I talked with the people at UNM today who, who don't want to say anything on the record yet, they did not say that was an option. Um, it is a fair question, and maybe a week ago, I think it would have been possible, but I don't think that's possible right now, um, at least in terms of the eligibility question. You can give a scholarship at any point. Um, if a guy's not using the scholarship anymore, you can give a, a scholarship to a walk-on. You see that happen a lot. In fact, Utah State's had players that have you know started off as walk-ons and ended up getting the scholarship after they hit game-winning shots and to beat the Lobos a couple times, I think. So, um, you brought they, it up. We didn't need to. <laughs> you know, those things happen. So obviously the scholarships can go to a player, but in this situation, I, I think they maybe pass the the eligibility kind of date. But um, you know, it's a good question. BJ Rains reported, I believe, about a month ago or so, that Leon Rice had voiced his opinion about the Mountain West Conference tournament that they should shrink it from the eleven teams, move to a different format for one for two reasons: one, COVID nineteen, and two, to take and protect the top four teams. 
I'm in disagreement to that, but I'm at Utah State. I would love to hear a New Mexico Lobo rider's opinion on this. Well, I, I think that, you know, I have a, a few thoughts on that. One is this year was all about trying to play as best you can. If it didn't work out, you know, whatever, you know, it's not going to be fair. We got these 20 game, two game series formats, It's not a home and home series. It was all about just trying to figure out how to get games. So at the end of that, to take away games from a team like the San Jose State, who's been relocated out of their county and playing out of a hotel in Phoenix all year, and to take it away from a New Mexico, be it the men's and women's, both you know, they've been relocated out of their home states and going through you know basically a miserable existence just to try and get games. To take away the conference tournament from them seems a little odd to me. It doesn't seem like something the league presidents and the league ADs were ever on board with. I also think it's a it's a heck of a year for Leon Rice to to make that suggestion since he has you know significant troubles year in and year out getting out of the quarterfinals. I understand where he's coming from. Um, he wants to make sure he doesn't have that problem. Again, so he has a good team. It doesn't help him if the New Mexicos and San Jose States and Air Forces of the World go to the conference tournament, but you can't bring that up just in this year when it, when it benefits you. I, I think the one thing about this league that has always been pretty good is that conference tournament. They do a good job at this level, the mid-major level, with a group of five level. They do a really good job with their conference tournament, and it's always been an all-inclusive conference tournament. I don't think you change that now just to benefit – what is a really unique year where there are four really good teams and then, then just a drop-off. I think there's probably three tiers. It's basically those top four. And then maybe Nevada and UNLV, I don't know what to make of those two teams yet. Maybe I'll give them their own middle tier. But then after that, there's a pretty significant drop-off to the rest of the league. So it's unique in that regard, but I still don't think that means you, you change the, the conference tournament format this year. You know, we're talking to Jeff Grammer. He's with the Albuquerque Journal. Uh, great story about what's going on with the Lobos. There's a lot of questions about uh, the, their season continuing or not. Uh, not there, besides players opting out, there have been some injuries too. I, any chance that there this could be an injury situation, that it's just because of this week, a player wouldn't be healthy enough and available in time? Yeah, so I, I mean, running down their 13 scholarship guys that, that started the, the fall semester, I guess, they had 13 scholarships. One of them had a COVID um, case in the offseason and never got cleared since then. Um, because it's COVID, they're not getting into details about that. He does not have COVID anymore. The team doesn't have any COVID positives right now. But ever since he had COVID, he never got cleared again after that. So there's one scholarship for a player um, who, who's no longer available. They have two guys that have now on scholarship opted out, so you're down to 10 players. Saturday, Rod Brown, a starting forward, hurt his, his left – Foot. They haven't said if it's Achilles or not, but he, he grabbed the back of his heel pretty quickly, and they were supposed to update that today in a Zoom conference that they haven't held yet um, because of these other developments. But there, there's another guy who's not available. They also had a starting guard, Isaiah Marin, who did not make the Fresno trip because of an eye situation. He has, I, I don't know if it's pink eye or an infection or what. It's an eye injury, I guess, maybe, that has not yet cleared up enough to, to play for the San Diego State series, but that's an eye situation. So yes, there are some of that, some of those injury situations that get, to get that number down, but it wasn't enough to get it down to six. There had to have been at least two more players who since Saturday's game that did play on Saturday, and there were no injuries other than the Rod Brown one, there had to have been two other players that, that changed their status in the, in the recent days. And whether or not UNM comes out and says they opted out or not, I don't know. Um, maybe they've gotten injuries since then, or, or some injuries will pop up um, that, that we didn't know about. But as of right now, I mean, I've, I've talked to people associated with the team and with some of the players, frankly, 
Um, the opt-out is what happened here. There were players opting out that brought their numbers down. And um, I, do, I do think, though, that those two other players I mentioned, Rod Brown, who hurt himself Saturday in the Fresno State game, and Isaiah Marin, who had the eye situation going on, those are two guys they expect back. So when those two guys get back, they would be back to above that, that seven limit that the Mountain West requires. And um, maybe that's why they haven't canceled the whole season at this point. But, man, I, I can tell you, it's, it's under consideration right now. I know Twitter can be incredibly toxic, but I saw a tweet below one of your reports of a story uh, on this situation, and they said Paul Weir needs to go. That's crazy, right? Like, Paul Weir should not be blamed for all this. Is that, am I crazy for saying that? Or I think Paul Weir is probably on his last leg here. Um, but, yeah, huh. blame this whole situation on Paul Weir um, would, would be silly. Now, I will say this. I don't think Paul has handled the, the public messaging of this very well from the start. When At the beginning of the season, he was pretty open about, I don't know if this is the right thing to do. If we're going to have to live out of a hotel all year, that's going to wear on these kids. and Maybe it's not the right thing to do. But what they decided was, and the women's team as well, was, okay, and New Mexico State also, the other Division One team in the state, they did the same thing. They, when Once you decided to play the season, I, I don't think the best thing to do is to sort of re, re-litigate the case every post-game press conference and, and kind of remind everybody all the time and remind the players, frankly, all the time about all the struggles they're going through and, and all that. Once you decided to play, I think you kind of made that decision and the, and the, the players themselves said they wanted to play. So while he's trying to come from a, a place where he's being compassionate to the players, and I'm all for that, I, I think players deserve more power in college basketball than they have, frankly. He started coming from that place, but when he keeps reminding people that, and it comes after a 30-point loss or 25-point loss, a long time ago he lost the um, – the power of that message. It came across as excuse making and what was me kind of stuff that I think wore people the wrong, you know, started to wear on people here. And that's where I think he lost the messaging battle and he could have had some help. you know, his AD could have come out. Um, people around the state could have come out and said the same thing for him, but really he was the only one saying it over and over again. And um, I, I just think at some point when you decided to play, you, you can't keep reminding people how tough it is on you to play. You just kind of have to play and, and stick it through or stick it out, and uh, that's that's kind of where they're at now. They, it sounds like maybe they don't want to stick it out the rest of the way, and uh, this is where they're at. Hey, one last question, Jeff, before we let you go. I, I guess if this game, well, these games don't look like they're going to happen, um, and if it's not a postponement because of COVID, does it go down as a forfeit for New well, Mexico, so and does San Diego State get victories as a result? So, uh, you know, a couple things there. The, the first thing is they're going to win these games anyway. So, yeah, they're going to have wins if they play or if they forfeit, obviously. But as of right now, because it is technically, uh, um, I guess, a health situation where you don't have the minimum number of healthy scholarship players, the league will count it for now as a postponement that is a no contest if it doesn't get rescheduled. That changes, though, if the Lobos, for whatever reason, decide they're not going to continue the season. If they decide then that they're not going to continue the season, the rest of the – and it's not because of COVID-specific cases, like a case on the team. If they're then not playing, then those become forfeits. So the only way um, it will become a forfeit is if the Lobos decide we're not going to try and get our, healthy, our injured players back this year. We're just going to call it a season and we're done. Then these all become forfeits at this point. Jeff, you're one of the best in the biz. Greatly appreciate you for your time. Uh, Enjoy the rest of the night and keep up the great work. 
Sounds good. Thank you, guys. All right, thanks, thanks, Jeff. Good luck finishing that story and figuring that out. What what a complicated mess. Feel bad for uh, for everybody in New Mexico. New Mexico State is in a different location uh, as well. They're in U, uh, in uh, El Paso. Uh, it looks like a high school gym. Yeah. Because um, they had to to paint on the the, the college three point circle and the restricted area because it wasn't there in the gym that they're using. So uh, what a I, I feel bad for what's going on it's in just New crazy. Mexico. I and, and and the other part was crazy is hearing him from him is that. Paul Weir's on his last wig. Like, things are very, very sketchy for him having a job as the head coach coming up if he doesn't flip things around quickly. So, uh, big thanks to him. Yeah. Uh, but, no, uh, really interesting reporting. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the plane that was supposed to leave San Diego this afternoon, the, that flight got canceled. And so, we still haven't heard from the league if it's a postponement or a forfeit or just a cancellation, no contest. Aggie fans know how that goes, right? During a football season? <laughs> right? Yeah. All right, uh, Eric Francis, I'm Aldi South, and we'll wrap up the first hour here on the Full Court Press. The new home for the Full Court Press. Weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. The reaction from you was really good, though. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I just kind of blurted out. <laughs> Good thing we were off air. <laughs> You're like, hey, should we do this next? Oh, boy. Oh, fudge. <laughs> Except I didn't say fudge. No, it wasn't that. No, it wasn't. Kidding. Christmas story. Come on, yeah. man. Work with me uh, here. I know. Uh, three, four, two, six. Uh, again, big thanks to Jeff Grammer for joining us from the Albuquerque Journal. Great stuff from him. Uh, I do not blame New Mexico. They have not played in their home all year and have been bounced around and promised all sorts of things all year long by their university and the governor. They're one and eleven in conference play, five eleven in overall. Uh, I can't blame these kids for not wanting to play. They've been jaded all year by the people that should have had their back. And how do you get an education? When you're not even in the same state or even at your own university, whether you're a student athlete or a basketball player. Eric? I totally agree. Yeah. I, I'm I feel, way, yeah, on feel board horrible on this text. for these guys um, that they, they couldn't find a better solution. I mean, you got to get on a bus five hours mm-hmm. to go play a quote-unquote home game and th- to go to somewhere where they don't even really provide that much of accommodation for you. You're doing your film study in the lobby as people are checking in and checking out. Yeah, your only practice is between (laughs) this little podunk school that no one's heard about in between the men's and women's and volleyball practices. If you would have had cameras, you would have saw me and Eric look at each other wide eyes and just shake our head and we're like, are you kidding me? That's unreal. And as Jeff Grammer, he so well put it, he said, it was really depressing, like being around them in Lubbock, Texas. Well, reading Jeff's story, um, you know, Coach Weir, he's really upset with the with the Mountain West too. He's been asking for a lot of scheduling changes to make life easier on them if they're going to be traveling and, and being a nomadic yeah. team as it is. Can we make some scheduling adjustments so it's easier on us? And the Mountain West really hasn't helped them, so. I mean, there was a point where they stayed in St. George because of scheduling. It made more sense. Mm-hmm. So it just makes me wonder how many other situations could have been tweaked a little bit just to help New Mexico so they don't have to go here and then there and then get on a bus again for five hours and just kind of 
be in pockets. So, uh, really tough situation here. Now, we don't know. Is it COVID-related? Doesn't appear to be. Is it injury-related? They're not saying. Is it players opting out? So, it's not necessarily a forfeit as of yet. But if players are opting out and... Mike Ward just doesn't have enough players to play until other guys get healthy and come back. There could be multiple games that, that get missed here for New Mexico and hey, their opponents. How about uh, Mr. Grammer's little jab at Boise State? Haven't got out of the quarterfinal in how long, <laughs> and you uh, Loved it. best chances now. And <laughs> that and that's kind of the sentiment around the Mount West Conference. is like, okay, where if, if you're in the fourth-place spot, are you still saying this, or are you – are you on the other side of the wagon trying to push it along to get all 11 teams in? No, that's a that's a typical Boise mentality, right? We're we're uh, in a position of strength, so the Mountain West should do whatever they can to help us remain in that position of strength. Amen. Amen. All right, coming up in the second hour of the Full Court Press, we've got the stat that blew our mind, our player of the week. Uh, Eric's going to be at the ball tonight. Jazz Pistons tonight, 8 o'clock. Uh, can't wait to get his reaction of what it looks like with all the fans on the upper deck. And baseball, will they start their season on time? Yeah. There's varying points of view there. It sounds like they're moving in one direction over the other. We'll update you on what that is. Coming up next hour here on the Full Court Press. The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Hello, welcome back to hour number two of the Full Court Press. Eric France and LJ Salison, 501, your start time here on a February 2nd. Happy Groundhog Day, one and all. I hope it's not a deja vu. Probably is, but I hope not. Uh, lots to get to here in hour number two. We'll get our stat, we'll get our player, we'll get Jazz Pistons preview tonight. Uh, baseball looking uh, maybe at delaying their start. We'll talk about that. Um, you we'll, got a really cool pick six gift. I got, I got a cool pick six gift because someone put effort into my pick six gift. You know, it it always is is awesome. I, I didn't steal it off of uh, your, a neighbor's your kid's porch. Desk. You uh, are really on somebody's window. I mean, you are holding it down on that fort, huh? You aren't just gonna die on it that it didn't come from your kid's desk. It did not. Yeah, you you just keep dying on that hill. Let me know how that goes for you. Uh, Eric, uh, I gotta find, dude, I hope they did not, because I, I found it, and I had it, and, dude, I swear, if they deleted it, I'm gonna be really upset. It was because of that crazy night in sports, uh, in, in the NBA basketball. What in the world? Okay, yeah, here we go. Yeah, you remember that crazy night in sports? Hey, you know what? Shut it. When like crazy stuff happened? Shut it. Hey, you know what? You're welcome for me delaying in so you could find your stat. You're so welcome for that. My 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 pleasure to help you out. <laughs> all right. You all know what time it is. I don't even know how to push, push this button. Here we go. Let's try this button. I don't even know if this is going to work. Here we go, kids. Let's take a look at the numbers. It's the stat that blew our minds. He did what? On the full court press. Wow. That blew my mind. Numbers, numbers, and numbers. Eric, you go first because there's no way you have the stat that I have. I can guarantee you that. Are you sure? Yes. We've thought this before. Yep. And I start sharing no, it. No, last time you didn't you, communicate like, with me. This one, you would have really stretched to have to find it because I really do my research on my stats. So go ahead. I swear, as soon as I start talking, you're going <laughs> to blow up on me. Okay. <laughs> 
Here we go. <laughs> Shut up and go. Since the James Harden trade. Okay. Am I good so far? You're good. I'm not conflicting with anything. No, because okay. I know, since, where I know since, which one you're taking. Since the James Harden trade, the Houston Rockets are 6-3. and three. And they have the best defensive rating in the NBA. On the other side, the Brooklyn Nets, they're also 6-3. and three, Okay. But they have the worst defensive rating in the NBA. Add one more point to that James Harden trade. The Brooklyn Nets, they have uh, the best offensive rating in the league. And it would, right now, they can maintain it. It would be the best of all time. But they also have the worst defensive rating in the league. <laughs> and if they maintain it, would be the worst of all time. <laughs> yeah, now that's bonkers. <laughs> oh, the difference between those two oh, franchises man. since the trade, that perhaps stands out to me the most. Hey, do you feel more sorry for any player in the NBA than Bradley Bill? Uh, Dude, what he's going yeah. through right now. Great player on a just a crap team. Just brutal. Absolutely brutal. Yeah, that was not the stat that I was going to use. So you are clean as a whistle. All right, so... Uh, in fact, it's not even there anymore. So either they got it wrong or... Oh, no, got it right here. All right. In the last 20... so happy for you. Are you done? Yeah. I'm Are done. you in the last twenty-five seasons in the NBA? Teams were nine and twenty-three thousand four hundred ninety-eight when trailing by five plus points in the final ten seconds of the game. Okay, nine wins, twenty-three thousand four hundred ninety-eight <laughs> losses when trailing by five plus in the final ten seconds of those games. Two of those nine wins came on the same night. Really? The Wizards beating the Nets and the Blazers beating, was it the Sixers? Oh, yeah, Dame Lillard hit some big shots in that. Yeah, yeah, I believe it was the Sixers. Two of those nine wins came in one night. That is crazy. The third win of those came last night. Or no, no, not last night. Uh, Last year, excuse me. So, yeah. That's right. So, a third of all of those have come within the last... Two years. Year, year and a half. Yep. Wow. That's insane. That's, that's bonkers. Who's your player? Oh, no. I didn't find one. <laughs> Stop. I didn't find one. All right. Okay. Then one. you won't ahead. you won't bark at me for no. stealing your player no. either. Hey, it's when you don't communicate with me. <laughs> Oh, I got my player. Go ahead, though. Okay, for me, um, as much as it pains me to do it, I have Nikola to give it to Nikola Jokic. Yeah. Oh, this guy was named as the Western Conference Player of the Month. Um, he is the second center in NBA history to put up 25 or more points per game, 10 or more rebounds per game, 5 or more assists per game, while shooting 55% or better field goal percentage in a single month since 1983, the sure. other center to do that, minimum played 10 games, Nikola Jokic, back wow. in February of 2020. Uh, by the way, he was named the Western Conference uh, Player of the Month. He was joined by Joel Embiid from the Eastern Conference, and that is the first time that centers 
have won the NBA Players of the Month together since Dwight Howard and Yao Ming back in November 2006. Isn't that crazy? So, Nikola Jokic, guy's been crazy. Right now, he is the MVP of the league in my mind. Yes, absolutely. Now ESPN and Sports Center will, and Rachel Nichols will strongly disagree with you. Right. They think it's LeBron James or Kawhi Leonard, um, but that's because they have that bias. It's just the easy them. thing to say. Yep, absolutely. No, I, I think Jokic is 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 the player of the year right now as we speak. I without a doubt, and he is, dude. I'm telling you, he's incredible. And I know the Jazz, you know, we're down early, but dude, who shoots fifteen to thir- or thirteen to fifteen from three in the first half? Like, what do you want him to do? <laughs> I got. I, I mean, you just two half. Do you two hands shove him in the chest, push well, him to the ground? Good footwork, great court vision. He, when he's dialed in and he wants to help his team. Yeah. He, <laughs> wow. And his passing it's skill tough. for a big man, his passing skill is awesome. Superb. Amazing. Best ever in the league, hands down, bar none, in my opinion. All right, my player of the game is going to go to Caden Cox of Ridgeline. Look, that yeah. Logan Ridgeline game was supposed to be an, an, a good one, a oh, really, yeah. really good one. It's supposed to be really one of the top Region 11 showdowns. And top matches in the or top games in the 4A. Yeah. Well, someone forgot to deliver the message to Ridgeline and Caden Cox, who puts up 26 in that game, which was a game high. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, a career high for him, too. Against Logan, who's a good defensive team who can shoot the lights out, and they absolutely blew them apart. And defensively and offensively, we're superb. Now, you could give it to the whole team, but I'm going to give it to Caden Cox. I think he's the leader. He, I mean, kid's coming off a broken leg, for crying out loud. Yeah. And he's playing like this, out of his mind. It's awesome. What's interesting is uh, um, Ridgeline has the better region record, but Logan is ranked above Ridgeline in the RPI. Is that based on schedule then, you think? It's based on complete body of work. Now, Ridgeline... Played a tough non-region schedule, and for most most of that, they did not have Caden Cox. So that plays a big factor into this. Why that's the case, but Ridgeline has been moving up pretty steadily in these RPI rankings that get released every week. Um, it's gonna be a very interesting week. Only one game this week. It's kind of their buy. They're at the midway point. All the teams that they played in region for the these last five games. They now play them again, just in the alternating venue. Hmm. So the, the the schedule kind of flips now from here on out. Um, but uh, good choice with Caden Cox. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Matt, one of my guys, Matty Ice, just texted in and says, hey, Ridgeline's getting hosed with their RPI. I couldn't disagree more. I don't think they're getting hosed. I, you don't I think, think they, so? I think that they played probably – I mean, Logan played a pretty good non-region schedule too. And Logan has a better overall record. So I, I think that if Ridgeline keeps going as they are going, they'll likely surpass Logan. But um, I don't think that Ridgeline's getting hosed. Okay, fair enough. It's a total body of work. It's your total record. It's not just how are you doing now. It's your total overall record. Who you played and who they played and what your winning percentages and what their winning percentages are. So... I think it's pretty accurate. Yeah, uh, tough to say. Tough to say either way. Uh, more RPI rankings will come out. We'll see. They come out every when, Monday. Every Monday. Except so we for got, the last Monday of the regular season. And we do have games tomorrow night. No, we do no. not. 
Because we're at the halfway point. They don't have games on Wednesday. Oh, and then they Wednesday. recycle, huh? They go yeah, back. so it resets on That's Friday. Right. That's now, right. the girls do play tonight and Thursday. Um, but uh, for the boys, they do not play on Wednesday. They'll pick up again on Friday. Uh, yes, correct. Do we have – got to look at the girls' RPI ranking, too. Uh, but, uh, that's on CashValleyDaily.com if anybody wants to check it out. Oh, sweet, yeah. Go to the only site that covers all six schools in the Region 11. And by the way, the photo galleries are awesome, too. I actually enjoy watching, seeing those. Those were great work by So, Andrew for Drew. the girls, Ridgeline, number two in the state. Okay. Um, Logan is number four. Okay. Green Canyon, number five. Skyview, number six. Holy cow. That's been pretty steady much of the year since they've been releasing these every week. Uh, Mountain Crest at number 11 and Bear River at 13. So, Bridgeline and Logan have not lost a game in region play yet. And they play each other tonight. Ooh. In Logan. Hello. Big showdown between the two undefeateds. Love it. Uh, and then Friday, that's the fifth, right? Yeah. Fifth on Friday, we have Bear River at Skyviews. Yep. Right? Okay, yep. yeah. Uh, and then Green Canyon is hosting Ridgeline, and Logan is hosting, or is at Mountain Crest. Right. Bada yep. beam, bada boom. Uh, just also want to mention, you know, Box Elder. Um, they're in action tonight. Oh. They're at Viewmont. West Side's at Bear Lake. Gonna have a big rivalry game there in uh, region play between those two teams. Preston is hosting uh, Highland, and Malad. They're up at uh, Aberdeen. So they're. Excuse me, that's not tonight. That's tomorrow night in boys' basketball. Hey, by the way, and don't forget, uh, speaking of the Idaho way, uh, and you probably mentioned this yesterday, 9474 Texan, best of the weekend, Westside head football coach Tyson Moser was named the Idaho football coach of the year for 2020. And then Westside basketball head coach Tyler Brown was named the 2019-2020 Idaho basketball coach of the year. Yes, did mention that, but it's definitely worth mentioning that again. That is so awesome. cool. I, I missed this last Great night. Great recognition. That is awesome. Great honors. That is so cool. Some great football oh, going on. Uh, and if work. I'm not mistaken, I think Westside basketball, they've won like 10 in a row. Their, their, their boys team is playing really well. So right not now. only their football team on a roll, but their basketball team is then, huh? Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, but so congratulations to both boys and uh, or boys basketball and the head football coach winning coach of the year. That's that's saying something right there. Hey, uh, Eric, uh, big one tonight with Utah Jazz, Detroit Pistons. We know you got to get to the ball here uh, after the show, so uh, we're going to get going on this preview a little bit early. Jazz lose their 11-game winning streak, snapped by the uh, Denver Nuggets. How much would you say it's an attrition of what the way Denver shooted? Not shooted, wow. The way that Denver shot in the first half. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> so I'm just going to let you roll. You good boy. Uh, 13 of 15 from deep. And 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 how I mean to climb back into that game to trim it down to seven was pretty impressive, but they just ran out of legs, right? Well, they 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 let them get they let themselves get too far behind, and they took so much energy to claw their way back into it. If that third quarter could have just kept going, yeah, uh, I think the Jazz would have overtaken Denver. But that quarter break cooled off the Jazz. It allowed Denver to reset, and before you knew it, a few minutes later, it's like a eighteen point lead again. Um, so Denver came out with something to prove on Sunday. Um, and I think the Jazz were just a little gobsmacked. I mean, they just were <laughs> taken aback. Like, really? You're hitting all of those shots? Yeah. That guy is hitting that, that shot? shot? Yeah. And just when it's your night, it's your night. Um, I mean, look, the Jazz still hit 20. They still made 23-point shots. They just couldn't stop Denver. 
And so it wasn't a bad offensive night for the Jazz. It just, they struggled defensively. And I think Denver was more physical with the Jazz. And they it took them a little while to adjust to that. That's something that they've got to figure out. If a team's going to be physical with us, we have to be able to find a way to win in other ways instead of this finesse, blender, swinging around everywhere, um, stick a three-pointer in your eye. If that's not working, if if they're getting you off your routes, if they're getting physical and getting after you, um, you've got to find another way to initiate offense or to make them pay for that by getting to the free-throw line and forcing them into foul trouble. Now, Donovan Mitchell was not great uh, on Sunday afternoon. He struggled. I mean, though he led yeah. Utah with 28 points, he still really... No, he didn't. That was... Uh, oh, I'm looking at the, the Pistons team. game. I'm, I apologize. I'm looking at the wrong game here. Yeah, he wasn't good in the in the Denver game. I'm going to ask you a blunt question, and, I, and there's a reason to it. Is Donovan Mitchell an all-star in your eyes right now? I think he is, but I think he's a fringe all-star. Uh, the Athletic, I think it was, who put together their all-star predictions through this point of the season, they have Mike Connolly ahead of Donovan Mitchell by a pretty good gap. Um, they think that the Jazz send three guys to the All-Star game. Rudy Gobert, Mike Connolly, and Donovan Mitchell. And I, frankly, I think that is a really good, accurate assessment. Mike Connolly is playing out of his mind. He has really kept this team together in a lot of ways when other guys have had slumps. He has been... Besides Rudy Gobert, the most consistent jazz man this year. Hmm. I love the play of Mike Connolly right now. He just seems to understand the system better. He knows how to play with Rudy Gobert now. Where before, the big man that he would always play with was a pick and pop. Pick and roll, step out, hit an outside shot. Where Rudy is a, is a rim rocker. I mean, he rolls to the rim. And so understanding how to play with that kind of a, a center and a big man is, is a little bit different. So Mike Connolly has finally figured that out. The way he's helped his team, his uh, percentage shooting is up. Uh, his assists are up. Uh, I love watching Mike Connolly play. Will Donovan be there? Is he still at all-star level? Yeah, he still has the ability to take over a game. And uh, he's great in the clutch most often. Um, so I still think he is an all-star. But I would love to see Mike Connolly get there this year. Should Jordan Clarkson be getting consideration as an all-star? As a reserve, not a starter, of course, but as a reserve. Um, I don't know. I think it's hard to give an all-star nod to somebody who comes off the bench. bench? I mean, but he plays been starter so minutes. good, man. He plays starter minutes, and he puts up starter points. Um, I, I don't know. It's a good question. I, I think for him, you'd rather be named an all-star than a six-man of the year. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, I don't, I don't know. All right, uh, Detroit, Utah tonight. Utah's eight and two at home. Detroit is one and eight on the road. Uh, so the over under right now sits at Utah twelve. For those who are interested in Nevada guessing games, yeah. But this Detroit team, look, they're not good on the road, but they've had some really tough games. Yeah, and they play teams tough. They play them to the wire. They don't give up. We've seen a lot of games where if it's like a ten or twelve point lead with three minutes to go, the other team just throws in the towel and throws in all their scrubs. Detroit continues to fight to the end. Um, Jazz got off to a big lead at Detroit last month and then kind of cruised a little bit. Detroit kept fighting 
and made it a closer contest than the Jazz were comfortable with it yeah. being. So this Detroit team has that ability to uh, to be kind of dangerous, so you can't overlook them. Jazz were up by 20 at one point and ended up winning by 10, 96-86. The game should have never been that close, like you said. Here are the losses after the Jazz game, though. Milwaukee, Washington, Miami twice, Atlanta, Houston once, Philadelphia twice, Cleveland, Lakers, Golden State, uh, and they played Denver. Or no, they were supposed to play Denver, but it's been postponed. So Utah tonight. Then it's back to Phoenix, back to the Lakers, and then home against Brooklyn, Indiana, Boston. That Pretty is tough. Absolutely That's brutal. Right. And but when you so you got the schedule in front of you, how many of those losses were by double digits? Oh, or okay. more? That's a great question. Let's see here. Uh by ten. Let's see. They beat the Heat by twenty, lost by six to the Heat, eight to the Hawks, nine or no one lost by one to Houston. Lost by four to Sixers. Lost by fifteen then. So one, two, three, four, five. Five losses by single digits. But again, they were on a back-to-back against the Lakers going to Golden State. Then they played. They were supposed to be at Denver on Monday. They had a back-to-back against, or no, actually they had a Saturday-Monday with Miami twice, which is really hard to do. They were on a back-to-back with Atlanta and Houston. And then Milwaukee game was also a back-to-back coming off a loss to Utah. I mean, that is just, oh, It's tough. By the way, Donovan Mitchell just tweeted, let's go. So he's playing. So man. I'm gotta be assuming playing. that means it's game on Thank tonight. Thank you. Hopefully he plays. Hey, do you? what do you say to people who give the notion of the Utah Jazz are a better team without Donovan Mitchell? Uh, I, certainly that's – you look at how they played against Dallas and you think, oh, man, look how they played. They looked pretty good. Um, they You can do that for a few games, but Donovan Mitchell – He's he's a special talent, and he is improving his game. He's improved his assists per game. He's improved his rebounds per game. He's improved his defense. He's trying to become a more complete player for the Jazz. Jazz are 9-1 in their last... By the way, with that series, did you see Luka Doncic? What he said about his team after that series? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Talk about driving up the bus and... (laughs) Just rolling over a couple times. Rolling over his team... <laughs> we but that's just what don't the, look like we want to play. Is that's, what but that's said. what stars got to say. Well, what is this like? I mean, they're at seven losses in a row right now. That's what a star's got to do is come out and call your team out. That's what you do. I mean, you go in there and you say, hey, look, if they're going to listen to me, then I'm going to go to the media and be like, look, they ain't going to listen. I'll tell the media how I feel. And whether you like it or not, he backs it up. So a guy like Jordan, Bryant, LeBron, uh, and Luca can speak to that. Well, those other guys have rings on their fingers. Yeah, but you're a star trying to lead your team. Is I mean, he is, is okay. Okay, I, well, okay. I was going to say, what's the, that between, the best way to put it. what's the difference between Luka Doncic and Russell Westbrook in his prime, who both are like averaging Ooh. triple doubles a game? Okay. Did they really help? Did, how much did they help their teams be better? How much were they just great players doing their thing? Luca is more of an all-around team guy. Westbrook was just added to get numbers on a stat book. I Russell Westbrook is a stat book stuffer. Cool because story. he's a freak athlete, he can go and get that. No, because he forces it, it to where he gets that number. But would you would you be double digit in assists if you were just a stat stuffer looking for your own assists? Dude, yeah, he's had so many wide-open looks that he'll end up passing him up. 
so that someone has a not-so-great look, but will have to shoot it so he can get Russell Westbrook that assist. Luka is finding you because Luka trusts that you'll make the shot, and it's a better shot. Russell Westbrook's finding you because he has nine assists and he's one short of a triple-double. Yeah, I think Russell Westbrook's on play, or excuse me, on the court play, hurts a team more than Luka Doncic will. I I agree. I just look at, I just compare, in their prime, there was there two young players who averaged double, excuse me, I can't speak, averaged triple doubles a game. Which one helped his team get better and which one was just getting stats? I got you. Luca. Luca was and helping his team get better. I think I agree with you that, that Luca helps his team, but Westbrook in his prime, he got his teams to the playoffs. Yeah, but the problem is, is that there are the guys who benefited from how does a his, team? His but play. here's the problem: is how does a team like Paul George and Russell Westbrook not get past the first round against the Jazz? How does a team like Russell Westbrook and James Harden, uh, with Clint Capella and Tucker and Gordon, got shooters around you, not get past the second round? How does a team like Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Kevin Durant, or even Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant not make a finals appearance? Like, how does that happen? If you're if, if those are two great athletes like LeBron and like Anthony Davis, how are they not winning games? How are they not winning important playoff games? Uh, 9463 text in the show. Again, if you want to, you're always welcome. We love having you. 435-339-0321. Uh, 9463 says, if they take Donovan off the Jazz analytically, they're a tiny bit better. But then it would turn into the same problem that Utah State has. They don't have a guy who can take over in the last three minutes. Thank you. Lost that one. Uh, and then in the Doncic versus Westbrook argument, just look at the plus minus. When Westbrook is off the floor, the team is astronomically better, and that or analytically. When Luca is off the floor, the team is astronomically worse. Yeah, it's a good. That's a good point. That is a good point. I just threw it out there. Just you know, here's two young Westbrook in his prime, not Westbrook now, but Westbrook yeah. in his prime versus Doncic now. Um, both triple double guys a night. Just how how similar, how different are they? How do they help their teams? Um, but w- that that Dallas team has players. Uh, it is a little surprising just how they're struggling this year. I, I'm on. I was surprised. I thought they'd give the Jazz. A little more of a fight. Now, I, I did give them credit. They're one of those teams that uh, didn't throw in the towel in the fourth quarter. They kept fighting and made it a little interesting, even though the Jazz still won by double digits. But uh, I think that's more a function of the coach than it is the players. Um, but uh, uh, it's a weird year in the NBA. Um, to see which teams are playing well, which teams are struggling. And to see how that's uh, kind of the, the the approach to the game, especially in these late uh, late game situations. So, um, but yeah, as of right now, the Jazz are still up there. They're the number two team in the Western Conference, number two team in the NBA, half a game behind the Clippers. Um, but the Dallas Mavericks, 
They've slipped down. They're only 8-13. and 13. They are the third yeah. worst in the Western Conference. Here's the crazy part, though. Lost six in a row. Dude, I never count Rick Carlisle out. I don't. Oh. He'll find a way to turn it around, and he'll. I, I'm not going to say they're going to be a top six team, not even a top five team. They're going to find a way to fight for that eighth and final playoff spot. Yeah, I, that I see them as a team you. fighting for uh, maybe the play-in round or maybe the bottom part of that, uh, the, the bottom eight. Yeah, I don't know that I see Memphis maintaining or even Phoenix. It's a Phoenix no, are a nice I don't story see Phoenix right being now. That good either, man. Chris Paul's playing out of his mind, but I mean. How long does he maintain that? I don't know. Uh, Detroit, of course, is 5-15. and 15. Ted last in the uh, central standings from the NBA Eastern side. Utah, 15-5, and five, comfortably four games, or excuse me, three games ahead of Denver uh, in the northwest side of the Western Conference bracket. Uh, right now, of course, uh, Rudy Gobert, uh, his scoring has been great, 13.5 points per game. He's... 13.5 boards per game as well. Jordan Clarkson has been phenomenal, about 18.5 points, five rebounds, shooting 43% over the last 10 for Utah. Uh, and Jeremy Grant, the former Nugget, now Piston, leading his squad at 23.5 points. Boy, I don't know how the Nuggets let him slide. I just Right, think, he wanted oh. a bigger role, and the Nuggets just let him go, and that's really it just I, it's blows too bad. Mind, He's a man. good player. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we're going to take a break. Coming back, we'll get into some baseball talk. Do... There's rumors, there's talk of delaying the start of the season. How, why, and what effect would it have on Major League Baseball? That and much, much more here on the Full Court Press, 106.9 The Fan. The Aggies, the Jazz, the High Schools, the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. That might be his best one yet. Can you, oh. Hey, is there FCC rules to that though? Uh, I know some people don't like that word. I mean, He'll just it's not the word; it? it's just how it sounds. <laughs> sounds funny. If you're not following, if you're on Twitter and you're not following uh, at Jimbo Rudding, you're definitely missing out. Shame on you! Yeah. Shame on you! Before every game, he <laughs> tweets to uh, at David Locke. And gives him a recommendation, something he should yell out during the game, during his radio play-by-play. And then he usually has something, too, like, if the Jazz don't win tonight, I will... And he says something absolutely crazy. And one other thing that he always does, he finds something oh, yeah. current if and we says, lose, oh, and by the way, uh, Derek Fisher lied to three teams to get out of his contract. My fear is, like, if we don't win this game tonight, I'm going to go into Walmart, wear a Santa Claus suit... And go through every aisle and ring the bell. I just yeah, I mean, it's crazy it's, stuff. Oh, it's funny. It's I funny. love it. Jimbo Slice, my man. Love it. Hey, uh, baseball. Let's get into a little bit of baseball here in February. Uh, word on the street says that there could be a chance that Major League Baseball doesn't start on time. Eric, give me the deets. So, uh, Major League Baseball itself had a proposal that it sent to the Players Association saying, let's... Let's uh, delay spring training and um, and uh, uh, let's let's hold off a little bit. Let's not start the things as normal. But Major League Players Association have rejected that proposal. Um, uh, sorry, actually, I've got the other way around. It was the league that said started on time, spring training and the regular season. The players are the ones who actually wanted 
the delay there. Sorry, I had that flip. Um, but uh, February 17th is the spring training report date. April 1st is the opening day. And that's, right now, what's still there? Um, Major League Baseball proposed a 154-game schedule. It would pay the players for 162 games and pause their arrivals to camp until March 22nd and the first games until April 28th. So, April 28th, is that what you said? Yeah, it's going back and forth and uh, the union says no. Um, They didn't like some of the language in the proposal. Uh, But part of it is it gives Rob Manfred a little more power in case there's another outbreak and they don't like that. What I don't understand here is Major League Baseball had such egg on their face last year for how they handled this, getting their season going and dealing with the players. And then eventually they were able to get it going and it, it seemingly worked pretty well. And they've had since October to get this figured out again, or November. And they still haven't got it figured out. And it's supposed to be, pitchers and catchers are supposed to be reporting here soon. And they still don't have it figured out. It's frustrating. Really frustrating. Kind of been the thing Because they just, they don't trust each other. Yeah, exactly. There's such deep resentment on both sides that they can't see anywhere in the middle to, to work something out. Uh, let's get into more some, some more baseball news. So your Cubs go ahead and acquire Jock Peterson, and the Cardinals are like, <clears throat> "Excuse me, I baking powder. We'll we'll see your Jock Peterson and raise you one." Nolan Arenado is now going to be a Cardinal. Think about this: a guy who was a five time All Star with the Rockies, eight time Gold Glover, and who had been with the Rockies since they drafted him in '09, was traded. Now, the Rockies had never won a division title with Arenado there. Uh, they made the playoffs in 17 and 18 as a wild card. They lost a tiebreaker to the Dodgers for the NL West title in 18. Uh, in 19, they went 71 and 91. Uh, and then they went 26 and 34 in a COVID shortened season. So, no one's like, dude, I want out of this. Like, if this isn't going to be where I can win, I need to go somewhere where I can win. So, instead, they trade him and they get four minor leaguers with some cash. About fifty-one million, give or take, and which is uh, some of that's going to St. Louis to help pay the remaining six years of the contract with Arenado. Um, but he can still opt out of twenty twenty-one, which I extremely highly doubt he will. But like, if you're a Rockies fan, you got to be feeling frustrated. If you're a oh yeah, totally. I mean, look, here's a guy that was part of your team who developed, who came up through your your program. He's a great player. Let's uh, let's keep him here. Let's do a long-term contract. We've got this guy. Oh. He's a young, up-and-coming star. And w- just like a year, year and a half after signing that big deal, he's gone. That'd be so frustrating. Yeah, that'd be incredibly frustrating. Uh, and the other thing is, I mean, look for for Nolan. He actually he went out. You know, when he had their introductory press conference thing, he said, "Look, I get to play for a title contender now. I get to play for a team." who's been to the World Series and won it. And I get to play in a division where it's extremely competitive, but I feel like we can compete with every team in the division. So let me ask you, who has the better grade in their pickup? Cubs and Jock Peterson 
Cardinals and Nolan Arenado, despite having to give up four highly good prospects to the Rockies? Oh, uh, the Cardinals. Just as it's a longer-term deal. Yes, they had to give up some prospects to get him, but they get a proven commodity. They get a young star that's going to help them. It's going to improve their their order. It's going to be a lethal guy at the plate and how well he plays in the field. So, yeah, I think that the uh, the Cardinals got the better end of that deal. And the crazy thing is people, like I said, people who are saying that he's going to opt out after his first year, that's not happening. There's no way that a player like that goes to St. Louis just to say, no, it's been fun, but I need to move on. Yeah, I kind of doubt. I mean, as much as the Cardinals are, are rivals to the Cubs, I do have a lot of respect for that. Sure. That franchise. Sure. I think they're pretty well run organization. They've got great facilities, uh, great fan base, and as you said, they've got championship banners hanging, multiple. So that's a team that knows how to get there. Hey, I'm excited to report on this. The Hall of Famer Chipper Jones for the Atlanta Braves is returning back to Atlanta as a part time hitting consultant, which hitters six, seven, eight, and nine could really, really use at this time. <laughs> Uh, he, as you know, Chipper played his full 19 year with the Braves. He was a first ballot Hall of Famer with ease. Uh, and it, again, it's just a part time role for him. But I mean, a guy who hit 303 during his career, he led the league with a 363 mark in 08. He's an eight time All Star. He's a 99 NL MVP. He had 468 home runs, drove in uh, 1,623 runs. Best switch hitter ever in Major League Baseball. And only Eddie Murray had more RBIs than him in the switch hitting position. Like, that guy has a resume of, of hitting. Great grab for the Atlanta Braves. Glad that Chipper wants to go out back and help out. Again, I think hitter 6, 7, 8, 9 could use some serious lessons because their playoffs were horrible. I always like to see when the greats return back to oh, their, awesome. their places. Um, and it doesn't have to be in a major role. Sometimes it's better for some of them. The, the, the all-time greats don't always make great managers. Sometimes great yeah. players don't always make great managers. Yeah. Um, but position coaches or just, you know, hitting coaches, things like that, um, where they can really lend their knowledge, their expertise to help uh, help the franchise that helped them out. I always love that. I always think that's really cool. All right. Uh, we're going to take a break. Eric, time to get you into tux and a nice suit. Get you over to the ball. Pistons, <laughs> Jazz, tonight, tux. 8 o'clock. You can wear a tux. I will... The, that will look really weird if I show up to Please the Jazz game tux. in a tuxedo. <laughs> You're driving like a 1999 Camry to the game. Down the tuxedo. Pull out a tuxedo. <laughs> Excuse me, valet. <laughs> hey, Eric, I'm kind of interested to, to hear your uh, review of, of with you know more fans in the stands. Yeah, I'm excited to see how that loading feels. up the upper deck. Uh, prediction. Uh, give me keys and predictions for tonight's game for the Jazz to get a win. Well, I think the Jazz need to be a little more deliberate attacking Detroit. Uh, learn the lessons from Dallas, excuse not Dallas, Denver, and uh, go at their opponent. Um, the, the shots will fall. I mean, they've uh, just keep that ball movement. Don't do hero ball. Don't try to get it all back at once. Uh, just play the Jazz basketball that they've been. It's been part of their success so far this year. Um, and I think they'll be fine. Improve their defense. Um, I think that they got a little lax and a little lost, at least in the first quarter and first half against Denver. They improved later in the game, but um, yeah, still still get after Detroit defensively. I think they'll be fine. 
And another thing for me is just continue that swag. Like, they had a chip on their shoulder after Shaq's comments, right? You know, a little bit of like, yeah, we're, we're salty about that. We are a good basketball team, and Donovan is a good player. Um, and play with that swag. Play with confidence. It's a team that's 1-8 and eight on the road. You're 8-2 and two at home. There's no reason this game should be close. Blow them out. Get some confidence back into you before a huge, huge Eastern Conference swing. Uh, of a bunch of games where against some good quality teams that you're going to need some wins. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's true. It's time to start a new win streak. Absolutely. Tonight. Eric Franson, I'm Audrey Salveson. Eric's going to head out. I'll stay here. We'll wrap it up here on the second hour of the Full Court Press. In the sports you care about, the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Full Court Press, I'm Audrey Salas of Flying Solo for the remainder of the 10 minutes of the Full Court Press here on a Tuesday evening. Thanks for joining us, however and wherever you've been doing so, on 1069 FM, 1390 AM, 1069thefan.com, or the 1069 The Fan mobile app. And if you ever want to text into the show, 435-339-0321, always happy to have your opinions. Now, Eric and I are going to break down the Super Bowl like crazy on Friday. Uh, we are going to talk all Super Bowl things. Uh, the, the guessing game of, you know, the over under, uh, our pick six will be featured around the Super Bowl, both on the field and off. I think you'll really enjoy that one. Uh, we're going to talk major, major Super Bowl stuff and keys and predictions all on Friday, but there's a couple other things I want to hit on, uh, before the, we get into the nitty gritty, uh, of the Super Bowl game. First one, Tom Brady, his merchandise has seen a record sales in a two-week period before his 10th Super Bowl. Uh, Fanatics, which is the NFL's official e-commerce partner, uh, has said that Brady's become their best-selling NFL player ever for the two-week period between the conference championship and the Super Bowl. Uh, they also told ESPN that the Northeast is continuing to support Brady with New England Patriots out of the playoffs. Uh, now, so the top-selling market for Brady merchandise since the conference championship is, is Tampa, with Orlando and Miami being that third and fifth ranked market. New York has jumped to second, and Boston has fluctuated between third and fourth over the past several days. Uh, the merchandise sales for Brady includes jerseys, t-shirts, and other items that involve Brady in some way, shape, or form. Uh, and for Brady, his Bucks jersey was Fanatic's number one selling jersey across all sports from the 1st of August to the 1st of November in 2020. Uh, the Players Association of the NFL lists him as a second in sales for the whole 2020 season behind the Chiefs quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, who had the most sold jersey. So everybody is starting to hop on the Buccaneers bandwagon. And I once again invite you all to join me, to join me, to grab a classic Buccaneers jersey. I've, I've had him in my uh, car, or I mean, excuse me, in my closet and in my car ever since I was a kid. Since I was five years old, I've had the the Steve Young jerseys, the Warren Sapp jerseys. I was a big Warren Sapp fan. Mike Allstock, Warwick Dunn. I had them all. Now, some of them are gone. I've uh, sold them for a lot of money. But I've held on to the most important stuff, including my Buccaneers Brady's jersey, which I'm thrilled to have. Uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, Sammy Watkins is uh, optimistic about playing in the uh, 
in the Super Bowl. He uh, He's missed both previous playoff games because of a calf injury, but he says, quote, I'm feeling great, still working out with the training staff, uh, just going over everything so I can have a chance and possibly going out there to feel 100% or even at 85% wherever I get at by Sunday. I feel pretty good. I'm very optimistic. Been having good practices, end quote. Now, Watkins has also missed six games during the regular season. He was fifth on the Chiefs with 37 catches for 421 and two touchdowns. Uh, he's in the final season of his contract and uh, said he would listen to the team if they would like to re-sign him. Uh, but based on his value of winning another Super Bowl, um, he'll he'll listen to other discussions as well. So that's good news for the Chiefs if Watkins can't participate. Not good news for the Chiefs, though, is Demarcus Robinson and Daniel Kilgore are on the reserve COVID-19 list. They, Demarcus Robinson, the receiver. Uh, Kilgore, obviously, is the backup center. Um, they're the first coronavirus-related issues we've had uh, ahead of Sunday's Super Bowl. So, uh, not good news for the Chiefs there. Uh, Robinson, who, uh, at the age of 26, has had a career-high 45 catches for 466 yards and three touchdowns this season. Meanwhile, Kilgore, uh, at the age of 33, appeared in seven games, had four starts. Uh, and uh, this is his first season with the Chiefs after 10 years, or yeah, I guess 10 years with the uh, behind uh, Austin Reader, who uh, who is Kansas City's uh, starting center for quite some time. And then uh, finally, in Super Bowl news, well, a couple of things. Uh, first of all, the guessing game in Super Bowl, the betting. If you're interested in this stuff, which we do not promote on our show, an estimated 23.2 million Americans plan to bet on the Super Bowl. Now, that's around $4.3 billion. You might say, well, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of people. Crazy stat that blew your mind is it decreases approximately 37% from last year. A 37% decrease from last year's betting on the Super Bowl. Now, obviously, there's the pandemic. Um, the, the ratings have been down as well. Uh, this all despite 36 million more Americans having, you know, access to legal sports books in their state or jurisdiction with the new rules coming out now. Um, but the research showed that with a record 7.6 million Americans potentially placing wagers on mobile betting apps and websites, which would be a 63% year over year increase. Now, again, just want to very emphasizely and strongly remind you, we do not have a betting thing on our 106.9 fan mobile app, so don't even think about it. Uh, and finally, speaking of Tom Brady, I want to conclude with this, that he will definitely consider playing past 45. Now, we all know the dr drama about this, right? Uh, he was going to play till he was 40, then he wanted to play till he was 43, and now he's saying 45, which, by the way, is when the end of his contract comes up. His wife was begging him to quit at 40, begging him to quit at 43, and now is desperate for him to quit at 45. Uh, if I was a betting man, I, I think he'll consider it. But when push comes to shove, you know that father time doesn't ever knock nicely. It usually just rips off the hinges off the door, walks right in and grabs you and says, we're done. And I think that'll be the case with Brady. The, the incredible thing about Tom, though, is that he's been able to do all this. All of what he is doing, going to Tampa Bay and taking a team to the Super Bowl, He's doing at 43 years old, and he's doing it more productively than Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, Brett Favre ever did at the doorstep of their career. 
where their time was running out. Now, when we were talking about our Friday Five best last Friday, I had a hard time leaving Tom Brady off. I felt sick inside. I felt like I had made a major mistake and that I should be let go from this radio show. Because when you look what Tom Brady's production has been, as he's got older, with less talent on the field with him on the offensive side of the ball, and he's still producing at what he's doing, it's incredible. He is the greatest of all time in NFL football, without a shadow of a doubt. Whether he wins this game or not, he is the greatest of all time. Again, you can find all your Tom Brady jerseys uh, on NFL.com. Go ahead and grab one. Wrapping up the first, or uh, wrapping up the show here, the Full Court Press coming up next. The Aggies are number one here. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Final minute here of the Full Court Press. Thanks for joining us on a Tuesday edition. Hey, got a really good show tomorrow. National Signing Day. For all the young high schoolers getting ready to play college football wherever they're going. Uh, Coach Anderson's press conference will be at 12 o'clock. We'll have that audio. Eric and I will be a part of that press conference. We'll have the audio. We'll uh, we'll give it to you. You can be able to hear it. We'll post it on our website so you can hear it. Uh, Coach Smith will have his press conference at 2.45 as his squad gets ready to hit the road again and face the Fresno State Bulldogs in Fresno, California. Uh, we'll cut. We'll get his audio, and we'll share that on Thursday as we uh, give you keys and predictions to the Utah State Aggies Fresno Bulldogs uh, series, Game 1 and Game 2 Thursday and Saturday. Uh, for Jeff Grammer, for Eric France, and Amadjik Salison, thanks so much for being a part of our show. We'll talk to you on a Wednesday evening.